0: As difficult as life is out of the church, at work, in family, in our finances, with our health, with all the concerns of staying encouraged, if I had a dollar for every time a, a Pentecostal told me they, they can't overcome depression in their life, I could take you to lunch tomorrow, right? But, and I'm not making fun of that. I know it's real. But I also know that every time you defy evil and get in the Word of God, Every time you defy your flesh and get in the Word of God, every time you go against all those negative thoughts coming into your brain and get into the Word of God, you are engaging in spiritual warfare. And God will defend His people that take up arms of the Word of God every single time. Knowing how difficult it is out there and coming in here and just sort of morphing into a worship posture, Leaving all that we can out there and coming into here and suddenly just throwing all the weights and burdens off of our shoulders so we can praise the Lord is easier said than done. But if he's doing it, that means I can do it. If she's doing it, that means you can do it. So knowing how difficult it is and yet the answers are readily available in the Word of God. More importantly, or or more specifically, in the New Testament epistles of the word of the Lord. I ask these people to give me their their best advice, their best piece of advice on staying saved. And I'm being so loose when I use that term. But I mean like in tune with God. On fire with the Holy Ghost. I don't mean sitting out there and staring during prayer time. I mean engaging and seeking the voice of God and the will of God and the presence of God. I'm talking about being more than just a member. But I'm talking about being a difference maker. How do I I get to the place in life where I can be a difference maker in spite of all I'm dealing with out there. In spite of all that they're dealing with out there there's got to be a key. It's not just that you're carefree and I'm not. There's got to be something that you've put to work in your life. And I ask for one word answers with an explanation. I gave you this example, like faith or patience or modesty or holiness. Give us a handle to grab onto and then tell us what that means and how we can apply it into our life. All right, Sister Kathy, you get to start. God bless Sister Kathy.
1: Okay. Praise the Lord. Um, I just want to say I'm going to be paraphrasing a lot, so if I don't say it every time, then I've said it now. Um, My word is fight. Um, When I first thought about this, about how to advise someone of growing in the Lord or staying strong in the Lord, that's Just what I thought of. It's a battle, um, and you have to fight, and don't lose any ground. Um, When we are born again biblically, according to Acts 2.38, you belong to the Lord. Romans 8.9, the latter part. I might forget to say those things, too. Um, Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And Luke 15.10, the latter part, says all of heaven sees it. Well, it doesn't say that. I'm saying all of heaven sees it. It says the angels rejoice over one sinner that repented. I have a lot of pages, but I write big. (laughs) Okay, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, We're a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So not only does the angels see it, but Satan sees it also. And you become a threat to him. And like a trophy, he wants to get you to fall. He wants your trophy. Um, So he watches you. And John 10.10, the first part, says he came to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's going to try to do to us. You didn't run the timer. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, so... We're going to spend eternity somewhere, and he wants us to spend it with, in hell with him suffering. First Timothy 6.12, the first part, part, says, Fight the good fight, lay hold on eternal life. So it's got fight and eternal life in the same sense. So the battle is nothing new. Um, way back in Genesis 3.15, after Eve succumbed to temptation the Lord put enmity between us and the devil and it's going to go on for generations and generations the la- latter part of that scripture says that it's going to be between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed and the seed is your offspring your kids and enmity when I looked it up the most common thing was mutual hatred so well oh, that's loud We're in a spiritual battle. Um, The Bible assures us it's real. real. Ephesians 6.12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So that one just makes me say, wow, like, you know, if you don't know you're in a spiritual battle after reading that, then... I don't know. Seek some advice somewhere. <laughs> um, so right after this, um, we're told about the armor of God. And in Ephesians 6, 16, one of them is the shield of faith, which will be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. So battle, weapons, fiery darts, kind of all goes together. Um, the apostles and disciples had to fight. They had to endure. In Luke 22, 31 and 32, the Lord told Peter that Satan hath desired thee to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. So we know that the Lord is on our side. In Second Timothy 4, 7, Paul fought. He says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And we know many of them were hated and beat and put in prison Um, And even Jesus was tempted um, by the devil. Matthew 4, 3, after he fasted 40 days, he was hungry. The latter part says, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. And then Matthew 4, 5, and 6, he takes him up to a very high place and says, If thou be the Son of God, throw thyself down, for it is written, he knows the word of God, he shall give his angels charge over thee, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. So. so he was attacking him, tempting him, and mocking his deity, trying to convince him to give in. He kept saying, if thou be, if thou be. And 1 Peter 5.8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary or enemy... The devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So my first advice would be believe you're in a battle, a spiritual battle, and fight. Be diligent, steadfast, and aware. When you're in a battle, you need to know some things about your enemy, and you need to know some things about yourself. Um, 2 Corinthians 2.11 says we are not ignorant of his devices. He watches. He sees what trips you up. And he keeps doing what works. Knowing ourselves, we need to learn our triggers. Things that trip us up. Things that tempt us. Things that weaken us. Um, It could be certain thoughts, people, places. Whatever changes your attitude. Things that you watch. Things that you listen to. Um, Satan used to be in charge of the worship in heaven. But now Ephesians 2.2 tells us that he's the prince of the power of the air. And with me... Music was always, and is, always a huge trigger. Um, I try to completely avoid worldly music because I know that it it just instantly changed my whole countenance and how I feel and my attitude and everything. Um, 99% of it changes my attitude instantly. So, they all know that that's all they get at my house. Um, So whatever triggers you, when you feel that change, the temptation, that check in your spirit, flee, turn away, nip it in the bud, change your thoughts, (laughs) do whatever you have to do to avoid the trap, look for the way out. 1 Corinthians 10.13, the first part, paraphrased, tells us we're not facing something new to mankind, and in the latter part it says God will, with the temptation, make a way out so it's not anything special. Other people have been tempted with it, and he will give us a way out. We just have to look for it. So change the situation, change your thoughts, and don't think you can handle it. Don't chance it. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Wherefore let him that thinketh he stand take heed lest he fall. So even when we're sincerely trying to make progress, get over habits, strongholds, we can fall, we will fall, but that's not the end. Psalms 37, 24 says, Though we fall, he shall we shall he shall not be utterly cast down. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And then first John 2 1, the second half says, If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So don't give up, keep fighting. If you get knocked down, get back up, yeah. repent. Go on, and remember that his mercy en- for- endures forever. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes. <laughs> <Not done. laughs> Let me borrow that. Let me borrow it for a minute. Let me borrow it for a minute. I told you spot. Brother Rob sent a meme out today. I don't know if someone sent it to him. It doesn't matter, but he sent a meme to me uh, like, along these lines. I don't believe in fighting, but if you have to fight, fight like you're the third monkey. On the ramp going into Noah's Ark. Is that what it said? <laughs> Trying to get into Noah's Ark. It's to rain. It, and it's starting to rain. <laughs> you know what, Sister Kathy? The fight is so real yeah. that yeah. I'm not... Oh, how do I want to say that? The spiritual battle is so real. Sometimes we are so intertwined with it, we don't even know it. Yeah. We think it's just life. We think it's just issues and struggles. And if we could roll back the stars yeah. and see to w- what is really going on, we'd understand why discouragement is such an issue, why anger is such an issue, why unforgiveness is such an issue. But I'm going to proceed and then we'll come back. We're going to proceed and come back. Fighting sometimes is absolutely necessary to stay saved, isn't it? How many times when the only thing you can't recover a person from is when they quit. You can't you you can't save them if they give up on themselves. Come on back, hang in there, just no, I've already quit. That's the most difficult place to be is to get a person that's quit convinced again to keep fighting. And when the Bible said in the book of Hebrews, it's impossible for those who were once enlightened, you can't ever. Be enlightened twice. That's an impossible phrase to live. Enlightenment can only happen once. It's just like birth. You can only be enlightened one time. And that's why it's so difficult when people walk away. You, they need to really weigh out that decision of quitting. Quitting life, quitting God, quitting the church. You, you better weigh it out long and strong because regaining is difficult if ever possible. You find new converts that come in to get everything, they're on fire for God, and they and get distracted, and they backslide, and they go away. And I've seen them come, come back and pray through, they're never the same. That innocence is gone. Doesn't mean they're not going to heaven, but that, that innocent hunger is gone. Give me your one word tonight and some reason.
2: Sister Kathy already preached everything that I was going to say, so <laughs> am I off the hook? well had to try um pastor this was actually really difficult for me because um I didn't want to choose just one (laughs) I felt like when you um (laughs) I chose just one I chose just one but it was really difficult for me um to think about what it would take for somebody to remain saved and when he asked this question it was like those old school ping pong ball uh or those old what are they called the ping pong you know you pull the you pull the thing and the ball shoots pinball. I felt like that was going off in my head all over the place, so it was really difficult for me to finally narrow one down, but um I did, and when I began to really look back at my own life and my make it or break it trials. What I found um, that made the biggest difference for me was that I made up my mind to contend. And that was the word that I chose was contend. Contend for your faith. And it goes right along the lines with Sister Kathy. But I did a search um, to find out what that word meant. And it said this, Contending means to fight while standing on the very thing being assaulted. It means to stand against all who undermine it. And I don't know about you, but I want to contend for my faith. I don't want to hand it over to the enemy when things get tough, but I want to hang on. Um, Ephesians 6.16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. I think it's pretty safe to say that in all of the battles that we face, in our walks, our faith is probably attacked the most. The enemy launches fiery darts at us like bitterness, offense, discouragement, condemnation, doubt, fear, temptations, feelings of inadequacy, and all of these things are meant to destroy us and to bring our walks and our faith to nothing. But we can contend So how important is it for us to contend for our faith? James chapter 1, verse 6 through 7 says, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Without faith, we cannot receive anything from God. And without our shield of faith we're far more susceptible to be hit by those fiery darts. So when those darts of doubt and discouragement, when they begin to fester in our spirits, our faith oftentimes can become weak. And if we leave it untended to, we can become spiritually dead. Romans 8, 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Hebrews 11:6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please God. Contending for our faith is so very important. We can contend for our faith in so many ways. And I know that it might sound elementary, and I'm going to get off my notes here and just kind of talk for a second. But I know that we all face voices sometimes in our minds telling us that we're not enough. Maybe your family's better off without you. Why don't you just give up? How many times have you tripped and fallen? You're not going to make it in this ministry. You're not going to make it in this walk. Why don't you just give up? But stand steadfast. Plant your feet. Plant your feet and use the word of God as a weapon remind the enemy when the enemy comes in like the flood the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it get a hold of your thoughts they can run wild they can make a nest in our minds and we can go completely crazy with our thoughts but grab your thoughts and bring those bring those into submission Contend for your faith. It is so important. And I know that it sounds small and it sounds elementary, but truly so much of the battle is in your mind. Grab hold of those thoughts. Bring them down. Bring them into captivity like the Bible says. Amen. I'm done. Oh, can I say one more thing? I'm so sorry. I just thought, I just thought of, the Bible says that we are to be the salt of the earth. I don't want to lose my savor. I don't want to lose my saltiness. It is so important. I've said this 15 billion times already tonight. Contend for your faith. Don't lose your salt. This world needs it. The people around you need it. We have got to contend.
0: Brother Andre, you have to be a fighter, right? Spiritually, you get to fight things that are trying to get inside of your Your walk with God. Sister Kathy, just suppose with me, a situation arises in your family or in your health or just in general life areas. Um, And I kind of already know the answer to this, but I'm, I'm asking you to go back to your note where you left off. But are you typically a fighter or are you an agreeer with the group? If stuff goes on in your life and it's like you feel... You feel like the mass in the circle is going this way, and I'm not talking about moral issues or nothing like that—just life stuff. Are you usually the type to stand up and say no, 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 no? Are you a go with the flow to keep peace in the in the movement? Again, not moral issues here, just life.
1: Absolutely, I am a go with the flow and keep the peace person. Um, I don't ever want conflict. (laughs) with the people or
0: okay so
1: okay so the next part was kind of like what Jessica was saying that a lot of the times he just gets in your head and he tells you you'll never be what you're called to be you'll never be good enough and he uses condemnation against you um He's the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us day and night, Revelations 12, 10 says. Um, that was another one of my big things besides the music is just listening to those voices. Um, you'll never be all God called you to be. Don't do that. They'll think you're crazy. You'll embarrass yourself. Um, it just It's always held me back and been another problem. But I do celebrate each victory no matter how small and I keep fighting and I keep pushing. And... The other main thing is just, so what if you don't feel like you're in a battle? Um, The devil isn't trying to ruin your walk with the Lord. Why not? Why isn't he trying? Um, If we just come to church and then leave and live like the rest of the world and leave our walk behind, then he doesn't care. Right. He doesn't have to bother us. Um, But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 17... Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So the devil knows um, that he has a short time in Revelations 12.12. So you just have to believe you're in an active spiritual battle. Pay attention, fight. Um, Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And if we don't feel like we're being attacked, ponder that and ask yourself, why not? If he knows he only has a short time, why isn't he worried about us? Why isn't he worried about you? Um, And we can win. um, Matthew 24 and 13 and many other places says he that endures to the end shall be saved. So endure, go upstream, go against the flow. And then the end of the book says we win. (laughs) Um, Applause that's about it. Stay in the race, fight, look back. I mean, don't look back. Um, that's the last thing, but not the least thing. Proverbs 26:11, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool returned to his folly. So don't look back to where you came from and don't think that was better. Fight and remember, Amen. praise works. Yeah.
0: Sister Jessica, are you a a go with the flow of I'm not talking about moral or or sin issues, but are you just a group agreeing person to keep from stirring up waves, ruffling the feathers, or?
2: In a lot of cases, yes, but when it comes to what I stand for and what I believe, um, I don't feel like compromising is worth it at that point. There's nothing worth. Sorry. I can't do it. My, my walk, my salvation um, is more important to me than a relationship with anybody else. Yeah. Wow. You
0: know, and so that whole spirit of fighting and contending, um, they're not words we like to deal with every day or talk about, but I have wondered. I, I don't go looking for conflict. My life's full of junk. Okay, I just I don't need any more. But I've heard it said forever. It's only people that are making a difference that the devil's trying to disrupt them, discourage them, trouble them. You got to fight. Anybody can lay down and quit. It don't take any sort of intelligence to lay down and quit. I'm done. Okay. But oh, that's right. Only those that endure to the end are going to be saved. You know what that word endure means? I know you do. Excuse me. I'm just, you know, teaching here. It means there's stuff to deal with and put up with and get through and get around and get over. So if I'm sitting across the table for you at the coffee shop and I'm telling you it's, it's tough living for God. I don't know if I can endure these trials anymore. You're going to tell me, "Hey, keep fighting, keep fighting." You're going to tell me, "Don't ever quit contending, fighting." It's this. Oh, All right. Thank you very much. <laughs> Timer, please. No, don't. <laughs> no. <kidding. laughs> You want the mic back?
3: Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Mine is really, really short because I thought in my own brain the only way that I can stay saved besides your fundamental staying in the Word, praying, fasting, fellowship is love. If you don't have love, you're not going to make it. Because First John, I need my glasses. Hold on here. Mine is called love misunderstood. Love is totally misunderstood. A lot of people think love is a feeling. It's not a feeling. Love is either self-gratification, trying to satisfy somebody else, or the love of God. You can only walk in three of those. And the first two will get you nowhere. I know we're emotional creatures, emotional emotional beings, but that's not going to get you anywhere. So love is misunderstood. First John 4 and 8, God is love. So if you don't have love, you don't have God. And I'm not talking about the goosebump love. I'm talking about the agape love. Exactly. One that you have to sacrifice yourself for. In the world we live in today, love has become so misunderstood and misused. Love has lost its value and significance. In First John chapter four, verses seven through twenty-one, the words "love," "loves," "loved," and "loveth" is mentioned twenty-three times. Love is very, very important to God. The Apostle John called himself the disciple whom God loved. Hmm. John had a profound revelation about the love of God. He endured many hardships and persecutions. Without a revelation of who God is, he's love. And how much he loves us, it will be easy for the storms, trials, and persecutions of life to beat us down and keep us in fear. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, perfect love casteth out fear. Don't want fear in your life? Get love going. Love is hard. It's hard to love. It's really hard. Love is so important. There was a question posed to Jesus in Mark 12, 28. Which is the first commandment of all? Or really saying, which one is most important? And Jesus' response was awesome. Verses 29 through 31. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. We cannot hate our brother and still love God. First John chapter 4, verse 20. Love is also forgiving. It's really hard to forgive when you've been done wrong. It's hard for others to forgive you when you've done them wrong. None of us are perfect. We've all said things, done things, without even thinking. A lot of times I open my mouth and insert foot, then think later. Shouldn't have said that. If you look at Gomer over in Hosea, no matter how many times she was unfaithful to Hosea, his love for her to forgive and reconcile was many, many times. And that is actually an allegory to show us God's forgiveness and love to us. We're to love each and every one of you or us as God loves us. First Corinthians, and I want to sum it up in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Verses 1 through 7. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, which is love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Hmm. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, not love, it profiteth me nothing. All the good works you do, and if you don't have love, it doesn't mean nothing. Love severeth long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself. It is not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. Love does not rejoice, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. That's why truth is so important in your life. Who God is, is love, truth. Love beareth all things believeth all things, hopeth all things, and endureth all things. You can't have a successful marriage without love. You're going to go through hard times. Not that I'm going to satisfy you, I'm going to satisfy myself. It's that agape love, sacrifice yourself. It's so, so important. Your marriage will not make it without that lasting love. It won't work. It's not me or you, it's us. And that's the way it is in God's body. It's not me, it's not you, it's us. So when one hurts, we all hurt. When one has done somebody wrong, we all forgive, we all love. So without love, I can't make it to heaven. So I strive my best. That's why I tell each one of you, I love you. I really do love you. Because I know if I don't love you, I'm nothing. And I'm not going nowhere.
0: Fighting, I get. Contending, I understand. Yeah. That's more difficult. That's really difficult. To some people, it's second nature. To the rest of us, it is a fight. How do you, I, I'm just asking you this. I'm not looking for a particular answer. I'm asking you like I'm sincerely looking for knowledge. Answer this question. How do you love unlovable people? People don't love their self. Don't respect anybody. How do you love people like that? Put in their
3: shoes. You put yourself in their shoes. You don't know what they're going through, what they've been through. What's happened to them in their life? And so you got to stop and say, well, there's a reason why they are that way. And if you can show them love, just a little bit of kindness, just a a little glimmer of hope, that's what they need. Whether they want to accept it or not, whether they want to receive it or not, but in the back of their mind, the back of their heart, they do receive it. You don't know where people have been. The old saying is, walk a mile in my shoes. I don't know where you've been, you don't know where I've been. But you know what? You can't have love without mercy. And those who show mercy have been through a lot. So if you see somebody who's merciful, you can guarantee somewhere there, somewhere in their life, they have been through some hard times. Be patient.